Hallelujah. We're going to talk today about the blessings of praising God. The blessings of praising God. And I've got a little bit of a preamble here. I'm praying today. I'm praying today that the Father God's love would lay hold of your heart like it has never laid hold of your heart before. That you become thoroughly convinced of the depth to the depth of your being. That you are perfectly loved by the one who created you for his eternal delight in you. And so we ask, Lord, you open every heart, causing each of us to perceive you in the way you truly are. Help us, O Lord. Amen. I want to tell you, there's not a person who loves you more than Father God. Nobody loves you most like he does. He's the father of all spirits, and he conceived you in love. He cherishes you and has eternal purpose for you that begins here today and lasts throughout eternity. And when you meet him in heaven, you will have wished that you had spent every waking moment desiring to be with him and to know him. No one will ever love you like he does. He only convicts you of those things that rob the joy of who he is from your heart. Think about that for a minute. All sin does is rob the joy between you and God. And all he wants to do is just convict you of those things that steal the delight that he has in you and that you have in him. He is life-giving in every way. It is beyond your imagination <clears throat> to think how truly wonderful he is. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is, that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. He is always for you, never against you. Romans 8, 31, 32 says, What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He that spared his own son, not, not, spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how sh shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And he has the best personality, and he lovingly affirms you at every turn if you would just see it. Somehow I'm wanting to take the revelation of who he is and break shackles off your mind and deliver you from just such a poor view of this incredible, beautiful Father God in heaven to destroy everything inside of us and ganged up in our souls to distort who he is and all of his glory and wonder and majesty and depth of love that holds the universe together and cause you to be drawn out of all the things that have been... been to your life and bring you into the love that restores and establishes everything about the uniqueness that he has made you to be and the delight you are to him. Jesus revealed the merciful heart of Father God to all of humanity and his sadness for those who live outside of the way he's designed us to live, which literally brings self-inflicted condemnation to our souls. No one can earn God's favor, for it's given only through receiving Jesus, his son, and all that Jesus has done for you. And so we are so fallen in our view, we're so fallen in our view of God that our default is to doubt that he's even good at all. It's amazing how far we've fallen. Father God's favor toward all people is expressed 
expressed perfectly in the completed work of Jesus when he bore all of our failures upon himself. Now look, you and I, we're living in unprecedented days right now, and there's, these are days of upheaval, distraction, anxiousness, loaded with cares and worries, with each day bringing another potential stress factor into our midst. How many of you know that's true? Therefore, it is of utmost importance to be a devoted worshiper of Jesus Christ. Utmost importance to be a devoted worshiper. Those who had had their hearts open to Father God's love through Jesus cannot get enough of Him. I can't get enough of the depth of His love for my life. I'm opening to a new realm of understanding and His completeness of everything about Him. It's changing me. Are, uh, there are those that, you know, well, when Jesus affirms that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, He is inviting us into an intimate union with Father God that unfolds the purpose for which we are created and which brings Him ultimate glory. When He says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, He's not preaching the law to you. He's declaring the release of life to you. That when you, by His strength and power, love Him with everything that you are, life begins to manifest in your life. This intimate union begins to change the way you see everything. The way you see people around you. And because Jesus came to reunite us to this intimate union with the Father to reinstate the hope of this original home. Hey, everybody, we came from a place that was paradise. And Jesus prays for us that we would be one with Him as He and the Father are one, that we would be one with them. And now, we, all of mankind, are designed. We're all designed. I'll tell the person next to you, you're designed to worship something. You're designed. You're a worshiper. You're a worshiper. You're designed by God to worship. There are people seeking God Himself and receiving like me, like you in the room, we're receiving the things from God that only God can give us. And we know He feels it. But there are those that are looking to other things for what only the Lord can give them. And it's like a, just like a wild goose chase. When you look to something else other than Him to fill up that place in your life, that's what the Bible decides, uh, describes as turning to idols. And um, idols are good things in our lives, but we try to make ultimate things in our hearts, but they always fill us. I have another slide. It says this, why would you ever give your life to anyone or anything that God did not give his life for you? Why would you ever give your life to anyone or anything that did not give his life for you? And Jesus is, did that just that. He came and he gave his life for us, and that settles it. He has broken the power of sin and death to reign over us. He's given us this very resurrection life to raise us up out of every harmful situation, and there's no one like him ever. Now, I want to take just a glimpse, kind of like if you want to close your eyes just for a minute, I'm going to declare Revelation chapter 4. So just kind of lift your head and just pretend you're in the scene. And then, this is John talking, and then as I looked, I saw a door opening, a door standing open in heaven, and, and, and the same voice I heard from before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here. 
And I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting upon it. And the one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like jasper and carnelian. And the glow of the emeralds circled his throne like a rainbow. And 24 thrones surrounded him and the 24 elders sat on them. And they were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. And these are the sevenfold spirit of God. And in front of the throne there was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. And in the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings was a lion, the second like an ox, the third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. And each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered over with eyes inside and out, day and night. And night after night, they kept saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was and who is and who still is to come. And whatever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before him and they say, you are worthy, O Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power for you have created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. This is the scene in heaven. It uh, goes on to chapter uh, 5 after this, where there's this de- declaration of this one, who is worthy to unseal this scroll? And it's basically the title deed of the planet and the outflow. And we're living in these last days. And so my goal is to somehow amplify the very love that has sought you down to begin with and that you would turn and open up to the fullness of his love for you and that you begin drinking deeply and eating deeply out of that. Colossians 3, 1 through 4, the New Living Translation says it this way. Since you have, you can look up here, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. I want to stop right there just for a second. During the plagues, uh, there were two different plagues during the... uh, first thousand years on earth. One was at the fourth century or so, or fourth and fifth, another one. And during these plagues, the Christian believers, what happened in the Roman, Roman area, and all the uh, people who were doctors and stuff, the plague was so great that they all left town. Everybody ran. But the believers who had a hope in eternity, they believed that God was alive in them. If they died, they would go into his presence. So they didn't have a fear of death because they knew that if they died, they go. So God kept them alive and they contended. And during the times of the plagues, guess what? More believers manifested in the earth because of the character of the believing family of God tending to and taking care of all of the around. It was amazing. It was a massive surge of salvation in the earth during that time because of the realities of heaven. When you were thinking of... see. When you know that eternity is secure, you don't fear things. You don't fear things that you would fear, that when you go down, you go up. So set your sights on the realities of heaven today. Do that today. Know that in your heart today, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. And think about things of heaven, things of the earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. 
Tell somebody, Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. He's coming back. So in the context, in this context, I want to talk about the blessings of worshiping God. And uh, worship actually started in the Bible, and it's this. Everybody look up here. There's a sacrifice placed on an altar offered to God. Sacrifice, altar, right? So worship is a spiritual act that is physical in nature. It's requiring the use of our body being presented to God, whether you're singing, whether you're speaking, whether you're standing, kneeling, raising your hands in thanksgiving, or dancing. So Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead that you give your bodies to God. See, worship is physical, but it's spiritual. Let me say, spiritual, physical. You offer your body to God. It's spiritual worship. Physical worship, spiritual. You offer your body to God. When you offer your body to God, it becomes a spiritual expression to God. You give your bodies to Him because of all He's done for you. Let then uh, let, let them be a living, let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by the changing of the way you think. How many of you, when you first received the Lord, your hands just went up like you wanted to hug God, Daddy God? How many of you? There was some, you just, oh, it was just a natural expression of a child going, I'm loved and I love you. So it's my goal to shift our stance, even more so. I'm kind of like, you know, look, I know everybody here is tempted to gaze at all the horrible things going on. So what about this? How about let's give equal time to the living God? How about let's turn on some praise music? You know what, Elisha, when uh, Jehoram and uh, Jehoshaphat, and they, they, was this, they went out to, they were going to go to war and all this. Anyway, they get out there and they're tired and they feel like, oh no, what happened to us? We were out here all alone. We don't know what's going on. And uh, is, this, is there a prophet around here somewhere? We can inquire of God what to do. Elisha shows up, and Elisha says, I'm here for Jehoshaphat, but not you. He didn't like the other guy, the king of Israel. He didn't like him. He had an attitude problem with that guy. I think what, so he said, well, what's, what's, the Lord, what's the Lord's will? And he said, well, give me a minstrel. So I had somebody come out with a harp and play. How many of you know you can get in the spirit and worship and you can align your spirit and, and then the prophetic begins to happen and you begin to see and know? I think he needed to be refreshed, so he said, give me some music around here. He turned it on, played, Spirit of God came on, he prophesied the will and work of God. He aligned himself in worship and then the word came. Go ahead and say it. When I align myself in worship, the word comes. The word comes. It takes time to cause your spirit to be in a receptive place. And so when I talk about you and me hearing from the Lord, I'm talking about us making a stance before God and having more of a, I'm going to be more committed to information from the realm of the Spirit of God than I am from the realm of the world. I want to have His heart, His voice. Because when he speaks, you speak it, and things change. 
But you can come under the rule of the principality of the air who has the whole world under his sway, and you can be depressed and bent out of shape. But when you stand in the presence of Jesus and the Spirit of God comes upon you, you start knowing things that other people don't know. Those are the people you want to listen to, right? The people that have been a, a direct line to him is shifting your gaze. What are you looking at? Why don't we look to the Lord, the Father who loves us more than anybody else? This is who we need to be seeking with all of our hearts now. And when you walk out the door, what will you do with this idea? Will you take time to worship him? Will you turn on some music that causes that spirit to fall on you? Will you spend time praying in the spirit and, and yearning for him? I'm telling you, when you meet Father God, I said it already, you're going to wish you would have spent all your time knowing him. He is so wonderful. He is so incredibly insightful. He made you. He knows all that you are and how to fulfill everything he's put in you for his glory. And you can't be happier than that. It's impossible to be happier than to fulfill why God made you the way he did for his glory. There's no happiness higher than that in the human soul. So you become like what you worship. Tell somebody, you become like what you worship. Say it. You become like what you worship. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So what we look at determines the shaping of our lives. It's the principle of worship, and it affects everyone, whether they know it or not. If anything becomes more fundamental than God to your happiness, meaning in life and identity, whatever that is, is an idol. If you're trying to find your happiness, your identity, your meaning in life, and anything else other than Him, that, my friend, is an idol. Jesus talked about it. He taught this principle, and He said in Luke 17, remember Lot's wife. Hello. Do you remember that story? Lot and his family are being delivered out of Sodom. And what's she do? She's got the world's affections on her heart. And instead of running to the place of safety, she turns and gazes at the world. And Jesus comes up in the New Testament and says, Remember Lot's wife? For those who may not know, she turned into a pillar of salt. Her life was over because her affections were not on the Lord. Her affections were somewhere else. Jesus says, remember that? He also explains in Luke, excuse me, Matthew 15, 8, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now, the opposite of this distancing ourselves from God is what we discover in deep worship. Psalm 62, 8 says, trust in Him at all times. Let's read that. Let's declare it. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. It doesn't matter what's going on. He's always available. I'll tell you, I wish we could start all over and just play. He loves you so much. I wish I could go and 
take this, this, the essence of this, a couple of these messages, open up the top of your head, just pour them in there, put them, open up the hearts, door of your heart, just put them in there, and let your eyes open up, and you see how deeply you are cherished by God. I want you to know that uh, I was a very soulish, immature person. Anybody else? Now, I want you to be a spiritually mature person, but I was a soulishly immature person. I was soulishly mature because I let my emotions rule my mood. How many of you have let your emotions rule your mood? Everyone can overcome a heavy heart. I mean, every come, everyone can be overcome by a heavy heart every now and again. Is that true? You can be just weighted down. But the person who is soulish never gets over it. They just live in it. They just express soulishly immature, I let my emotions rule my life attitude. Sucks. So along comes Jesus, fulfilling Isaiah 61, 3, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy uh, for mourning. Everybody declared the next phrase underlined, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So this verse now points out to us that there is a spirit, and its name is heaviness. There is a spirit, and its name is heaviness. And the solution to overcoming the spirit of heaviness is a change in clothing. It's a change in clothing. What mood are you going to wear? I go to my wardrobe in the morning and I get on, oh, here's my depression suit. I put that on. <laughs> Send that down to Goodwill. No, just burn it. Pull out your garment. Put on your garment of praise. I'm letting you know that a spirit of heaviness will put you in the bed and you won't want to get out. It happened to me. I was soulish and immature. I discovered, it took me about two years, didn't it, to, to have the Lord to give me the revelation. It took about two years for me to get it. I would start even repeating what the spirit of heaviness was telling me. You know what a spirit of heaviness will tell you? It'll tell you these words. I'm tired. It'll get you to say this. I'm exhausted. I don't have any energy. And you begin to say with the spirit of, he's like this. He whispers in your ear and you turn into, I don't even want to live anymore. The spirit of heaviness. Soulish, immature person will walk for weeks on end. Months on end. The spirit of heaviness keeps feeding them bad news. What's more bad news? Bad news. What do you eat for dinner? Bad news. What do you have for breakfast? Bad news. And I'm so heavy, God. I don't even <sighs> Garment of praise. Garment of praise. How many of you need the change of clothing? The Lord put this on my heart and says, please help your people change their clothes spiritually. Put on a garment of praise, especially today. Especially today. Wake up praising Him. Wake up delighting in Him. He loves you more than anybody else. Love Him back. Cherish Him. Love Him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Bless Him. In the morning when you get up, I love you, Lord.
Don't you love the way it echoes in here? Sounds like a real big pressure. Hallelujah. We're going to step into communion. I'm going to explain one little thing here, and it's, uh, then it's just a story. It's an incredible analogy. It's in Matthew 21, 9 through 16. It says, the crowd, this is about the triumphal entry, and I want you to notice something. We're just going to take some things and point it out, pull some truths out of this little story as you see the development of it, and then apply that as we take communion together. Would you just lift your heart again before we jump into this? Say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Father God, for loving me. Receive his love. Receive it right now. Just receive it. Receive it. Uh, I want you to take the spirit of heaviness off of you right now. In the name of Jesus. Now, the Lord wants to remove the weight of oppression right now. Anything that has clustered in upon your mind and caused you to be distracted, worried, overly concerned, the anointing is here. Guys, he's just, Lord, just coming, wrapping his arms around you, lifting pressures and pains off your heart. Let him have it. Let a flow of forgiveness. We'll get to that. But even let a flow of forgiveness come. Hallelujah. When I get up in the morning, I have to put on a shirt. I have to reach my hand into that sleeve. When you praise God, you put your hands up. Go ahead and put your hands up. Get into the praise garment. Let's just love Him together. Say, I love you, Father God. I love you. Thank you for sending Jesus. I love you. 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 There you go. Let it go. Let the river come out of you. Let the river of worship rise out of you. Let it come up. Let it go. Hallelujah. The room is changing because you are thanking Him with hands uplifted. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The crowd was just like that that day. They were lifting up hands. They were lifting up palm branches. They were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means Lord save. They were saying, Lord save, Lord save. And they entered Jerusalem, and the whole city was stirred up. And they said, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. There was active, powerful worship being expressed to Jesus Christ. There was active, powerful worship being expressed to Jesus Christ. The proclamation of who he was, the son of David is here. They were lifting up, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There was dynamic worship filling the hearts of the people. They were rejoicing in the person of Jesus as the Messiah. And what happened to Jesus? When you fill up the atmosphere of your heart and then fill up the atmosphere of heaven with your heart flowing in praise, this is what empowered that Jesus was empowered. He was empowered. That anointing of that worship came upon Jesus. And he entered the temple and he drove out all those who sold and bought in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer and you have made it a den of robbers. When you worship the Lord, he comes to your temple and he cleans you out.
comes inside of you and says, all that stuff you've been transacting, it's going to go out of here. We're going to clean that all out. We're going to knock that over. That's going to be done with. You're going to be a house of prayer and praise. Just praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As you worship the Lord, he comes with a cleansing ability. The Holy Spirit invades your life. And he takes out things that have been in the way of what you're all about in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Then the next thing that's empowered, not only cleansing, verse 14 says, And then the blind and the lame came to the temple, and he healed them. When you worship God, you don't just get cleansed. You get healed. You get healed. Where you couldn't see before, you start to see. Where you were not being able to walk in him, you begin to walk in him like you never could before. Praise, the blessings of praising God empowers Jesus to come into your life and do things in and through your life that you couldn't do before. And there's always those thrice-struck ninny hammers when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what they are, these are saying? And Jesus said, Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? Now, I'm a little older than in, in the spirit realm than a, than a baby. When I first came to him, praise come up out of me. You may not have known the Lord 15 minutes. The first thing that's going to happen is prepared praise is going to start rising up. <laughs> it's just going to come up. Jesus says, don't you know? When I'm praised, healing comes. Don't you know? When I'm praised, cleansing comes. Don't you know? These are the blessings of praising God. But the, the religious don't come with a childlike, wide-eyed wonder. They don't come that way. They, they, they can't see the God in all of his splendor, and they can't celebrate that. They just, they're trying to earn their salvation with some kind of a legalistic works program. They have this horrible attitude. I want to just say this. But see, why can Jesus come and cleanse the human heart? Why can he come and, and release these miracles when you worship him? He calls us. He calls us to sacrifice on an altar. When you come to praise him, the, the altar now is your human heart. And there's a sacrifice. And what is the sacrifice? Some of it's the positive energies. You come and you bring your energy level to him. And you, you come and declare praise. And you, you lift up your heart. Part of the sacrifice is you're putting to death something. You're putting to death what people might think of you for lifting your hands. You put to death pride. You put to death the things that, of fear. You put those to death. That's the sacrifice on the altar of your heart. Why can Jesus bring cleansing? Why can he bring this? Look at the cross. The cross was God's altar. It was his altar. And he was going to, he invited his son to become the ultimate sacrifice. 
And Jesus became the sacrifice. He gave up all of his life, all of his blood. And because he ultimately expressed the greatest worship that could ever happen by giving all of himself. Now you and I have received the impartation of his power. He says, I'm going to cleanse your heart today. I'm going to heal your soul today because I was the sacrifice on the altar. And as you come and meet me at the altar in your heart, I'm here to lift the burdens. I'm here to show you who I am. Would you let a holy murmur of praise under your lips there just for a moment? Let's just go ahead and Just praise Him. Jesus, we thank You for coming and expressing perfect love, unconditional love on the cross. We thank You for that. Every one of us, you just lift the little piece of the wafer there, lift it before the Lord. Enter the temple and cleanse me. Come, this is your body. Enter the temple and cleanse me. Set things that are wrong right. Oh, wow, the Lord just quickened me. Uh, there's attitudes in the room. They're in the way of the joy of the Father. Jesus is coming to turn over the tables of those attitudes. Will you let him do it? They're attitudes. I won't name them all, but they're attitudes. Some are fearful, some are smirky. Their attitudes, the Lord says, I want to cleanse out of your heart. Some are tempted to bitterness. Tempted, just temptations. Yeah, tempted to judgments. Tempted to criticism. There's transactions being made in the temple the Lord doesn't want. He says, I'm coming in. I'm coming in. As we pay, take this together, just say with your heart, let's just say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I receive this communion, I receive this bread as the person of Jesus entering my heart and setting things right and making me a house of prayer and worship for him. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's receive, let's receive. As you have this opened and you're not spilling it on yourself, hopefully, we're going to open up the thicker plastic and get to the... It doesn't matter what's in there. What matters is faith in the blood of Jesus. That's what matters. I have prayed for so many people for a physical healing, but it didn't start out with a physical healing need. It started out with a forgiveness need. So many people, once they unlock the death trap on their soul through forgiveness. Their immune system improves and they get healthy. I remember I would always get sick every 
Christmas, every around Christmas time, I always some during winter, I always get something, some kind of a have to go get antibiotics, you know. And then the Lord healed. I started forgiving deep, deep areas of my life. I began to forgive the hurts and injustices and pains and things that happened to me. I quit getting sick. I just improved because the blood of Jesus improved my immune system by making my soul healthy. This is the spiritual reality of the kingdom of God. God's ways are higher than our ways. You don't need a pill. You need the cup. The cup of His goodness, the cup of forgiveness. I'm going to lead you in a very specific prayer. Forgive me, Father God, for thinking less of you than you really are. Help me see you as you really are. I desire to know you. I receive forgiveness. Help me now forgive as you have forgiven me. In Jesus' name, let's partake. Hallelujah. So what am I doing today talking about the blessings of praising God? I guess I should subtitle it, Falling in Love with the Daddy of the Universe. Falling in love with the one who loves you most. Falling in love. When you get to heaven and you see Father God, you're going to wish you lived every day loving Him with everything you are, knowing Him with the depth of who you are. Don't waste another day. Let's stand together. May you go in the grace and the peace of the Lord, and may the adversary be consumed for you by the glory of God, and may everything that God has set in motion to be a blessing in your life unfold before you, that your days and your, the ways of your life would be ever increasing in his prospering touch and his protection in the name of Jesus. Amen.